0: Thank you, Sam, for that song. I I don't know if you know the story behind that song. We're talking about stories. The story behind that song is, uh, again, when you know the story behind the song, it makes it just that much more incredible. The story behind that song is Horatio Spafford. He, He was a Chicago lawyer. He lost his son in the Chicago Fires, two-year-old son in the Chicago Fires, and it it devastated his business, so as he was finishing up some, tying up some loose ends with the business, he sent his wife and daughters across to England, and on the way across there, uh, there was an accident, and he lost his, his daughters, and he got a famous text a famous sorry i forgot to turn that didn't I? A famous not uh text yeah right a text uh telegram saying um i alone or uh i alone survived and uh and his, so his wife was over there and as he's crossing the atlantic losing his son and then losing his daughters at the spot where that where his boat sank that boat sank uh, killing his daughters, he wrote that song. He just go that guy had faith that I don't have that I want being able to communicate that express that it is it is well with my soul. And there was something deeper there that uh you know <clears throat> probably emotionally he may not have been okay. But deeper than the emotions, deeper than the surface stuff, deeper not that it's surface stuff to lose, but but deeper than the circumstances. There was something he's saying this situation is not ideal. This is this is hard. But deeper than that, something deeper than that, it's 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 well. I'm okay. Because of the living hope that he had in Jesus. So thank you, Sam. Man, that, that was perfect for for what we're talking about. The story, telling your story, how your story can communicate things to other people. <clears throat> this is the second week in our series talking about the importance of our stories and, and uh, how our, our stories can have an impact on people around us. Last week we talked about uh, the woman at the well and the demon-possessed man, how after Jesus had changed their life, they went out and told their story and it had an impact on people. It pointed people to Jesus. It caused people to be interested or, or it piqued their interest in Jesus and caused them to seek him out. To go and look and find and it says the uh uh the the the, the Samaritans said, It's not now it's not because of the story that you told. So at one point it was the story that she told caused people to be attracted to and and drawn to Jesus. And uh, so last week we talked about that. This week we're going to talk about how our story, the story that we have, can, can cause other people to trust Jesus, okay? So to trust Him because of His faithfulness in the past. And that song is a story that I hear and I go, man... He was faithful to that guy in that situation. I've not experienced a situation like that. And some of, the, some of the situations I go through, I go, oh man, Lord, this is tough. Can I make it through this? And I read stories like that and I hear the song, his heart, and I go, man, if he can, whew, there's hope for me increases my faith because of his faithfulness in other people's lives. I'm sure we all have stories. I'm sure we all have stories in this room about God's faithfulness. I'm sure we could all get up here and tell a story about something that we've been through and God has been faithful. And if I opened it up, we'd be here for a long time. And I love that idea, but not today. Okay, Not today. But um, Father, we uh, we come before you this morning and we, we just want to express our dependence on you and uh we want to open ourselves up to your Holy Spirit this morning, uh that your Holy Spirit's guiding and directing. Holy Spirit, would you have your way in this place this morning? Would the words that are brought forth be um from you and anything else would just would would kind of fall away and not be heard. But I pray that you would soften our hearts, open our hearts to uh being changed this morning, being spurred towards action this morning as we talk about our stories. <clears throat> In Jesus' name, amen. Anyone else like me, I can be very forgetful. I can free and I'm you know, I'm not I don't consider myself old yet. I guess it depends on who you ask, but I, I forget things a lot. I'm I'm a forgetful person if I don't write something down, it doesn't get done. <clears throat> and uh, I'm grateful for the fact that I need help remembering I'm grateful for my, my wife. My wife is very organized. She's a a gift from the Lord. And uh, I'm grateful for her. And and not only that, speaking of my, my beautiful wife, you know what else? She, she reminds me of a lot of things, but she, she reminds me of grace. Because I don't deserve her. It is only by the grace of God that He allowed her to be in my life. And so whenever I whenever I whenever I need a reminding of God's grace, I look at my wife and I go, Man, I don't deserve you. That is only by the grace of God that that uh that you are in my life. And uh so I hope you have I hope you have someone in your life that reminds you of God's grace. We and you all. Man, who am I to be standing up here? Only by the grace of God, you all are the the family. You are you are God's grace. You are a gift. You're a gift to me, you're a gift to each other. Because being alone, not having people around you who support you is is a is not a not a good place to be. And so, I'm thankful for this body, thankful for this body that that uh, that comes and is uh, stands with each other, supports each other, and uh, we're going to hear a little bit more. Hopefully, uh, about that in a little bit. I'm excited about some things this morning, but I'm also thankful for my phone. My phone helps me remember things. Okay, there. So you, you'll forgive me if you tell me something and uh, and I pull out my phone and I and I you, you, it's not because I'm not paying attention or listening to you. It's I'm making a note in my phone and setting a reminder because the, the without my phone I would forget a lot of things. I forgot my kids at school one time. <clears throat> forgot my kids at school one time. I was supposed to pick them up and uh, I just completely forgot. I got a phone call from Katie and as soon as I saw. That uh, it was her beautiful face on the phone. I got this sick feeling in my stomach. That's not a it's not a a, a common thing when she calls. I don't I don't normally get a sick feeling in my stomach. But as soon as, as soon as I saw that that was her, I I knew I had forgotten something, and I knew that it was the kids, and I knew that she had gotten a phone call from the school saying, "Are you coming to get your kids?" And so I picked up and immediately I just said, I'm sorry, I'm on my way. And, uh, but just that, that feeling of, uh, of, of uh, sickness that you get when you, when you forget something. You know you're supposed to be doing something or, or have done something and you forget. We're very forgetful because we've never been, in our society today, we are the most busy as humanity has ever been. Humanity has never been more busy than what we are now and our our my kids <laughs> my kids uh used to say big people forget things a lot because they have a lot of things in their brains that little people don't have in their brains and it's true you know our brain our brain but we can fill our brains with so many things and and so much you know going on around us that you know it goes in one ear when something comes in one ear, you, something else dribbles out the other ear, you know? You it's just it's so we're we're saturated with things and I feel terrible when I forget things. Anybody else feel bad when they forget things? Some people can just kind of brush it off. Shelley does, I know. Sometimes you can br- just brush it off, but man, I just ah I hate I hate being late and I hate forgetting things and and um if you want to feel better about yourself for forgetting things, Read the story of of Israel. The story of the Israelites uh, will make you feel better about forgetting things because they seem to forget things quickly, and they seem to forget things often. They had just seen uh, they had just seen God deliver them from from the Egyptians. They'd seen the plagues that he that he had sent on Egypt, and and they had they had just been delivered. And uh, and and they were celebrating how awesome Yahweh was for delivering them, and then something happens. They run into something hard. They run into a little opposition, and they find themselves between a rock and a hard place. Literally, literally. I, I went down this huge rabbit hole, and and I've I've I, I've I've been down this same. Anybody go down and go down rabbit holes? multiple times the same rabbit hole you go down the same rabbit hole man i've been here before uh but it's it's still it's still interesting you know the uh so 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 they've left egypt they've left egypt and and man they're celebrating they're praising god they're grateful and god leads them to this place okay so uh so if you if you're looking on the map and i should have i should have gotten one and put it up here cuz i was showing jeff man we were talking and showing jeff but they came down um so the red sea the red sea comes up and then it has two it has two little little horns that stick off the top of it and uh and so they were coming down the one side of that and they they made this uh this peninsula and they and they came down and they're headed up the other side of it and and uh and it, it, it's it's a it's this weird spot cuz there's a mountain range that, that kind of is to the would be to the uh, to the west of them, and then it curves around to the north of them, and so it's, they're kind of boxed in. In fact, the the space the, the place north of where they camped was called Etham, and it, and it means uh, it means the wall or or, or boxed in. That's what the, that's what it means, and so they're they're in this space, and, and so they're headed north, and God says, turn around and camp between Migdal and the sea. And Migdal is this mountain range. It's this, it's this peak there. It means watchtower. So it's a place up there where you could see for a long ways. And God has them camp right here. And so they've got, they've, got, um, they've got mountain range on the west and the north of them. They've got Pharaoh's army coming up from the south of them. And then they've got the Red Sea on the east in front of them. And so they're, they're, they're in this space. They were in a tight spot. Thank you, Jeff. (laughs) That's the picture I showed. (laughs) Man, Jeff, thank you. So they're in this this spot. and, uh, and, And I love that God took them to this spot. Because Jeff and I were talking, there was no natural way for them to escape this spot. And God did that on purpose. Sometimes God will take you to places that you cannot get out of. Sometimes God will take you to places that, in and of yourself, there's no way out. But God. And so they're in this space. They're in this space, and, and, uh, and the, the, the Egyptian army is coming up. And this is uh, Exodus 14 11 through 12. They, they said to Moses, Is it because there are no, no graves in Egypt that you take us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Isn't this what we told you in Egypt? Leave us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness here. And they had forgotten what God had promised them. And they had forgotten what God had done for them in the past. And how He was faithful in the past. So God does... What God does. Not long after they saw with their own eyes God deliver them through the Red Sea. Deliver them from from the Egyptians by parting the Red Sea. It says walls of water on both sides. That's one of those things that when I get to heaven, I want to see what that was like. Because walking through on dry ground, walls of water on either side had to have been pretty awesome again not using that word flippantly but in in the way that it is it is designed to mean awesome so they're walking through they walk across on dry land they've seen this and not long after that they find themselves hungry they find themselves hungry Exodus the 16:2 and 3 The entire Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by pots of meat and ate all the bread we wanted. Instead, you brought us into the wilderness to make this whole assembly die of hunger. Oh, the drama. (laughs) They had forgotten what God had just done for them what He had promised and what He had just done for them, and how He was faithful in the past. And not long after that, they had seen God provide for them with, uh, with, with, with bread from heaven. It says, it says uh, I think in, in Psalm 78, which we might read later, it says, they ate the food of angels. You go, man, what did that food taste like? What was that? You know, can you, <laughs> Jeff? Can you imagine that? Uh, you know, this stuff starts, just starts falling for you know, and there's all of a sudden there's this manna, which means what is this? Manna all over the place, and 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 then, uh, who's the first one to try it? You know, you know, <laughs> picks it up and and takes a bite and be like, yeah, no guys, it's good, we're good, you know, in fact, it's really good. Come try some. We're gonna give it just a few minutes there, Jedediah, because uh, we're gonna see if you if you keel over in five minutes, then we're gonna pass. But so they uh, they 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 had uh, they had they had this bread and and uh, and then the quail come and landing right next to their tents. It, it, hunting was was not hard. It was not a hard thing. They didn't have to go out. It wasn't. It was. It's like hey, you're right there, and you're gonna let me pick you up, and and I'm gonna eat you. You know, it was super simple. You know there was no there was no challenge there was no hunt in it and uh, and and but then uh, not long after that they find themselves thirsty they find themselves thirsty and uh, Exodus seventeen three and four says but the whole people thirsted here for water and they grumbled against Moses they said why did you ever bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst then Moses cried out to the Lord. What should I do with these people? Again, they had forgotten what God had promised them, and they had forgotten what He had just done for them and what he, that He was faithful in the past. And I love here that you know Moses says, "What should I do with these people? Moses is a volcano about to erupt. Moses is a volcano about to erupt. He's, he's fed up with these people. He says, "Lord." What do I do with these people? What should I do? These people just, they continue to complain. They continue to forget what you've done for them. you imagine how God felt? It's Like, man, what do I got to do for you guys to trust me? What do I got to do to show you that I care for you and that I love you and I'm here for you? What do I got to do? I've provided and have been faithful in the past, yet these people forget so easily. And with, the, with with these passages in mind, this is uh this is our main text this morning, Jeff read a little bit of it from uh, uh last week during communion. We're keeping in, in mind that Israel's history is to forget. So Joshua four one through seven, and then we're going to jump down to twenty through twenty four. Says after the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua, "Choose twelve men from the people, one man from each tribe, and command them: Take twelve stones from this place in the middle of the Jordan, where the priests are standing. Carry them with you, and set them down at a place, uh, at the place where you spend the night." So Joshua summoned the twelve men he had selected from the Israelites, one man from each tribe, and said to them, Go across to the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you lift a stone onto his shoulders. And I love this because what do you carry on your shoulders? Do you pick up a, a rock the size of your fist and set it on your shoulder and carry it around? No. Heavy things. Because... Your shoulders, when you put something on your shoulders, it has the support of your whole skeletal system. And so, so it's much easier for me to carry something large and heavy up here on my shoulder. So we, we, uh, we burn wood. So we cut wood. And we, and we carry wood uh, uh, to, to heat our home. And, and large logs, you, you get up and you get it on your shoulder because it's easier than carrying it just, just with the strength in your arms. And I love, I loved that he says, he says, uh, each of you lift a stone onto his shoulder. So these were, these were, these were large stones. These weren't little, little pebbles. Lift a stone onto his shoulder, one for the, one for each of the tribes, uh, one of, one for each of the Israelite tribes, so that w- this will be a sign among you in the future. When your children ask you, what do these stones mean to you? You should tell them the water of the Jordan was cut off in front of the ark of the lord lord's covenant when across the jordan the jordan's water was cut off therefore these stones will always be a memorial for the israelites jumping down to verse 20 then joshua set up in gilgal the 12 stones that he had taken from the jordan and he said to the israelites in the future when your children ask their fathers what is the meaning of these stones you should tell your children israel Crossed the Jordan on dry ground, for the Lord your God dried up the water of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. Just as the Lord your God did in the Red Sea, he's 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 reminding them. He's saying, just like you experienced with the Red Sea, God did that, and you're supposed to tell your children. You're supposed to remind them of what God had done, just as the Red Sea, uh, which He dried up before us until we had crossed over this is so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the lord's hand is mighty and so that you may always fear the lord your god in this passage that the israelites are finally crossing over into the land that that, that god had promised them they're finally doing that It, it was a long journey they wandered around in the in the sinai wilderness for 40 years and it's not very far from Egypt to canaan the 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 uh, if as the crow flies or even as the even as the the Israelite walks in a straight ish line, this was not a straight line they wandered because of their unbelief and because of their doubt. Israel is finally crossing into the promised land it's been a long time coming, and during their um during their, their journey, their wandering, there were a lot of bumps in the road. There were several things that happened. We, as we saw in those, those passages earlier, many times Israel stopped trusting God, returning to their old ways. And once again we see here a sign of God's provision, His care and His love in crossing this Jordan. God parted the, ri- parted the water. It, it says the, the, the Jordan River was at flood stages. It was overflowing its banks. It was deeper than it normally was. It was wider than it normally was. The waters were rough and rushing because it was flooded. God parted the Jordan, allowing the Israelites to pass through on the other side. Ushering His chosen people into the land that He promised them. And after they crossed into the land, God instructed them to set up a, a monument as a reminder. Something that would remind them of what God did in the past. And because He did it in the past, what He can do and will do in the future. He says, I cared for you and I provided for you in the past. Set up this, the, this, this pile of stones as a reminder of what I did in the past. And also what I can do for you in the future. Because I'm the same God who parted the Red Sea. I'm the same God who provided for you manna and quail from heaven. I'm the same God who brought water out of a rock to care for you and to provide for you. I am that same God and I will provide for you in ways in the future. But I need you to trust me. And just like them, I I can I can get down on the Israelites. I can make fun of the Israelites. But if I'm honest with myself, and I, I think if you're honest with yourself, we can be a little more like the Israelites than we like to admit we forget easily we can forget what god has done for us in the past and forget what he can do for us and others in the future and so it's good to have things in your life that that will 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 will, will create ways for you to remember those things keep a record of where god has come through for you in the past keep track of those things where he's answered prayers where he's provided for you where he's spoken things to you some of those things may have not come come to fruition yet write them down when god speaks to you write those things down because when they do come true when they do come to fruition When they do happen, you have a way to look back and go, Oh, he promised it, and he came through. He was faithful. And then share it with other people. Because that can be encouraging to you. It can be encouraging to us. But why would we keep that to ourselves when it has the ability to encourage and strengthen other people's faith as well? Trust and perseverance can come from remembering God's past faithfulness. Sometimes it's us remembering what God's done. and Other, other, times, other times our trust and our, um, our encouragement and, and the ability to continue through tough times can come from other people's stories. Other people telling their story about how God has been faithful and encouraged them. It can encourage us to trust him in that same way or even in deeper ways. And uh I'm going to have I'm going to have Lisa come up here and uh and share her story about how God has been faithful to her and her family.
1: Okay, first off, I really hate microphones, so please bear with me. Um I'm going to do my best to get through this without tears. It is said you can always praise and thank God in the good times, but it's in the lean and the hard times that your true faith is shown. Sam, Kyle, and I have learned that the hard way this past few years. But insistent love. shouldn't have looked at you, Bonnie. <laughs> Bringing a meal or just stopping by to say hi meant so much to my mom. She kept asking us why these people would do for her when they didn't know her and she wasn't part of their church. What did they want? And my personal favorite, you know, she was not going to come to church. (laughs) I kept telling her, it's what we do. We care for others without wanting anything in return. These ladies showed God's love continually to her without expectation. The wonderful part was, is, Excuse me. My mother would never dream of being rude to someone showing her kindness. So before leaving, when they would ask if they could pray with her, she couldn't say no. (laughs) Oh, how wonderful that they could do for her what we were not able or allowed to do. She actually started looking forward to their visits. My fondest memory of God using others to reach out to her was one particular hospital visit. She was really sick and struggling to keep her mental faculties due to pain. The nurse doing the admission asked her if she had a religious preference, to which she answered no. Next question, do you want a chaplain to visit you? To which she emphatically said, no, those people are evil. Keep them out of my room. Except Lisa's pastor. He's okay. He can come visit. (laughs) Dan had really made an impression and shown her a different view of God and Christianity than what she was accustomed to. Towards the end of her life, she told Randy she wanted to have that talk with her and get some questions answered. We were all excited and prayed for it to happen. Sadly, Mom passed away before it could take place. Randy came to visit her in Ann Arbor, and she was non-responsive, but they did say her brain was functioning. So Randy reminded her she could still ask for salvation and receive it. I don't know if she did, but I'd like to think she did. I guess I'll find out when I get to heaven. Don't give up on people. Pray for years if necessary for their salvation. God said you plant the seed and others harvest. He is true to his work. Their living example of Christ spoke volumes to my mom. She never found them to be hypocritical or fake, and it made her take notice. She did say one time as things were getting really bad, that she was thankful for the church family I had because she knew it was what was sustaining me. And she knew that I would be loved when she was no longer here. Let your life speak for God. For a while through all of this, I was still relying on my own strength. Remember, I was raised to do it yourself. And that is a very tiring way to go through life and ordeals. For several years, this did kind of work for me, but it did start taking its toll. 2017 was the beginning of the really bad time. Dad was, it seemed, constantly sick, and we were starting to have to come to terms with what that meant and all of the implications. My mom was preparing to have major surgery in June, Jerry was having another neck fusion in March. So, to help mom out, I was able to talk dad into not coming home from the hospital and go to rehab so I could focus on Jerry, and mom would have a small break. We got dad settled into his room and we headed to Saginaw for Jerry's surgery the next morning. All was good, Pastor Dan came to sit with me, which I appreciated, and we all knew he was taken care of during surgery because Dan Reed was in the OR with him. All was good, Jerry was joking around after the surgery and Dan left. About an hour later, Jerry had the only severe and rare complication that you can have with this surgery. His throat swelled shut and he stopped breathing. Now I knew how mom felt all those years ago in ICU with dad. At that time, you have no choice but to give it to God. See, I can learn. (laughs) Again, I was very thankful for Dan Reed. I think the call for the prayer chain started with him calling Adam and Rod. I sat alone in the waiting room with no idea as to what the outcome would be. Thankfully, the chapel was off the room, and I really spent most of my time in there on my knees. I handed everything over to God and felt a great calm come over me. Jerry made it through, but it was six days in ICU, wondering what life would bring if he didn't. God talked to me a lot during those days. It was just me and beeping machines and God. The staff was surprised at my calm and that I could keep track of all that was happening, asking the right questions and joking around with them. (laughs) Excuse me. I think they thought I didn't realize the severity. I did. I just had God running the show, and they all looked at me funny when I would tell them that. Jerry woke up with the same phrases on his lips. God was in charge and he was along for the ride. Mom had her surgery in June and I spent a week in Jackson with her. She came home two days and due to some complications, we were back down to Jackson for two more unplanned weeks. There was a huge event going on in the Jackson area, so couldn't book a long-term room. Each morning I spoke with the desk staff to see if there was a room. Some mornings there were. Others, well, I packed my bag and I headed to the hospital. Almost every day they would call me and have a cancellation I could have. I just put it in God's hands, and he did take care of me. I decided God could do better than me, and I'd have a room if I needed it. Mom was delirious, and she was mean due to the infection at all times, almost unbearable. God granted me the peace and patience to sit with her through all of that. At the same time, Dad was back in the hospital in Mount Pleasant. Thankfully, Jerry and the kids could deal with most of that for me. He did get really sick, and the doctor wasn't sure if he would make it. And the staff in Jackson forbid me to tell Mom. But again, God stepped in, gave me clarity and peace. I didn't have a room for one night, but it ended up I had to come back to Mount Pleasant to talk to the doctors about Dad. So again, it worked out. He had it under control, even if I didn't see it then. God worked it out, so Mom and Dad did rehab in the same place, and Mom got to spend time with him. They were able to have about a month before he passed at the end of July. The staff was amazed at the calm and focus I was able to maintain, but again, God made me strength, and he gave me what I needed to get through. One month later, I decided to make Jerry go to the doctor. I was over listening to him complain about not feeling well. They decided it was his gallbladder and it should come out. Well, it wasn't his gallbladder. It was a softball-sized cancerous tumor that by the time they found it, it had spread. Again, Dan sat with me during surgery. I kept telling him he could leave, that this wasn't a big deal, but he stayed. God had him there with me when I got the news. I'm not so sure I could have done that one alone. But I again had turned it over to him, and he took care of me. My mantra is, of, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And God's got this. It started that day. I heard from everyone, I don't know how you do this. How do you keep going? Where do you find the strength? How can you stay so focused or sane? So much so, I was really getting tired of hearing that. But my answer always remained the same. It's not me, it's God. No way could I do this on my own. I realized he wanted me to be that witness. What is it Adam said? Let your life speak the loudest. I feel I was speaking loud to others and to my children. That and all of your prayers and our extended family prayers and our friends' prayers were very sustaining. If you don't believe in the power of prayer, you should. We could always feel when we were being lifted up and it really got us through some of those dark places. At U of M, where mom spent her last week, the ICU staff never did figure out what to do with me. I got the call in the middle of the night about mom and I had my good cry and prayer immediately with God. I had an almost eerie sense of calm when I went to the hospital that lasted for about a month. The steps, (laughs) sorry, the staff kept asking if I really realized the severity of the situation because I just really wasn't upset. I told them repeatedly, yeah, I do understand, and God's got her. He'll heal her or he'll take her. One of the nurses had lots of questions about my face, and I had the opportunity to share with her. The first of July we let mom go home. It was a very peace and you know, it was very peaceful right up until the end. The staff was all giving us weird looks. We had everyone in the room telling jokes reminiscing laughing and singing until we felt it was okay to say goodbye. Even then it wasn't loud tears or screaming and yelling like i had been hearing from the other rooms all week. It was quiet and we lovingly sent her off at the end. We thanked everyone and walked out. One of the nurses stopped me to say in the nine years of working in this unit. She had never seen such faith from a family and I guess we stood out to all of the staff again. Let your life do the talking. If we really believe, it will show. I had no idea that day that this scene would be repeated 22 days later with Jerry. Again, the doctor thought I was not understanding the severity of the situation. I guess you can be too calm? I kept telling them if I'd lose it at the appropriate time, and this just wasn't it. When he did pass, I was alone in the room, no family, because he was supposed to come home the next morning. I did lose it really bad. I was terrified of being alone and what our lives would be like without him. And his nurse just sat with me and hugged me until I could calm him down. They went out of their way to find a quiet place I could call family from, and they made Jerry look presentable for the kids. A huge blessing for me. Again, I was so thankful to Pastor Dan. Even though Jerry had passed, he drove the kids to Ann Arbor's to say their goodbyes, and I didn't have to worry about them being on the road even though he himself had to be in Detroit the next morning for a family funeral. I know that was very difficult for him, and I'm not sure I will ever be able to fully thank him like he deserves. At this point, of course, my faith took a bit of a hit, and I questioned a lot. Being alone will do that. I even had one misguided person tell me after Mom died, not knowing that Jerry had also, that they hoped my sick husband would die and leave me alone and miserable in the world because it's what I deserve. (sighs) That comment nagged at me for about two weeks. See, I tend to dwell on things when I don't know how to deal with them. And there's that I statement again. (laughs) When I finally asked God what to do with this and how to react, I was reminded I am far from alone. First and foremost, he is always with me, and he always will be. He reminded me I have these great kids and friends, in a church family. I am not alone. I am highly blessed. God is teaching me humility through this. Like I said, I have always done it on my own. I am learning to ask for help. It's really hard for me, but God gave me Eric Pruitt to put it in the perfect perspective. (laughs) Gotta love you, Eric. (laughs) I needed help with my car, and I felt bad asking Eric to stop on his way home. When we were done, I asked, as I said, my thank you to him. His response was no. Thank you for allowing me to be a neighbor and to bless you. I love to do for others, and I help them. And I guess I just don't realize that there are others like me, and I need to let them help me occasionally. Mm-hmm. Their actions speak to others as well. Like I said, let your life speak for God. Jerry had said from day one that, he had a, that God had a purpose for all of this happening. He didn't know if it was to learn him to learn something, or if I was, or the kids, or if it was all meant for someone else. I believe it was all the above. Jerry learned to lean more into God as the days went on. I learned God is all there is. And the kids, well, I'm not sure personally what they have learned, but I have seen a lot of positive changes in them through all of this. If you can believe something positive can come out of all of this. Others, well, we heard some of that at Jerry's memorial, and I think it's ongoing. I've seen you all be the love and arms of Christ for my family, and I am thankful for each one of you. Pastor Dan made a huge impact on Jerry's family when he blessed us by coming to Ohio to do his service there. My non-believing sister-in-law stated that with someone like that in our lives, and if the rest of the church was the same, it's probably one of the biggest blessings we could have, and I couldn't agree with her more. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. I truly believe that. God's grace is sufficient, in our weak, and in our weakness, we do see his power manifested. Rod Reed would send Jerry Bible verses every Friday. The last one he sent was Ephesians 3, 20, 21, which says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurable more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in the Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Jerry never saw this message, but I'm not sure it was intended for him. I meditated on this verse a lot those last few days. He was in the hospital, and it brought a lot of comfort knowing that God was in charge. I share all of this because I want you to understand we're not all perfect. All of us may not have the deep roots of faith, and we may not have the best prayer life. We may sometimes go to God as an afterthought, not as our first line of defense as we should. And maybe we don't believe he is doing the right thing because it's definitely not the way we would do it. But no, without a doubt, he is God, and he does know best. Blessings can come from horrible events, and as odd as it sounds, we can be joyful in the midst of tragedy, and we the people are the hands and feet of God. Our family story is not over yet. We have closed many chapters but still have so many to live. God is opening doors for the kids and setting them on a new path and I'm excited to see where that will take them. In many ways they are starting at square one and so am I. God has yet to reveal my path. I still have some small footnotes to take care of and I'm sure that when that is done it will become clear. At least I pray he makes it clear. I hope we have been able to uplift others in the midst of our adversity to remind them that God is in charge. And if we can just learn to let go and let God, this does work out. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. His guidance, his peace, his strength. It's all available to us if we just ask. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Lisa. I know that that was not easy. It's all good. God wanted someone to hear it, so we'll see what happens. Amen. It's not easy to follow that either. What do you What do you do with What do you do with with that? What do you do with stories like that? What do you You know same God who is faithful to Ratio Spafford losing his kids he can say it is well with my soul it's the same God who has sustained and, and been and supported and loved and cared for and provided been that strength and that rock and encouragement for the Sims family Hear stories like that, and man, it's just it—it's encouraging. So, Lisa, thank you for sharing that story, because for me—and I pray that it is for you as well—it's—it's encouraging to know that the same God who delivered the the uh, Israelites from Egypt and parted the Red Sea and and directed and guided and uh, provided for them all throughout their journey. Was faithful to lead them to a place and usher them into a land that he had promised. And and we don't know, Lisa you said that very well. We don't know we don't know how our story how far of a reach that our story has people being touched and continuing to, you know, I think about the the staff. Who knows the ways that your story is reaching people, pointing people towards Jesus, encouraging, strengthening their faith. Man, if that lady can have a trust and a calm and a peace in this situation so much so that they, they ma'am I don't know if you fully understand what's going on here <laughs> yeah. no I do <laughs> but it's but it's there's there's something deeper there that you can say it is regardless of what happens here it is well with my soul so I hope that stories like that, I, we all have stories like that. I hope that we are encouraged and, and we're strengthened by those things. Hope that we share that, those things with each other. I don't know how many, uh, probably a lot of you had had heard that story, at least in, in some capacity, maybe a shortened version of it. I don't know about you, I've, I've heard that story, I've read that story, and it still is encouraging to me every time. So Lisa, please keep sharing your story. How can how can how could the Israelites, how can we how can we continue to doubt God after all of the things that he's done for us? After all of the things that we've seen him do. How can we continue to to doubt How will God take care of you? The same way He did in the past. How will God provide for you? The same way, I don't know if you need manna from heaven, some of us might, but He provided for the Israelites in the past. How will He provide for you? He's the same God who did it there, and He's the same God who can do that for you. He can provide for you. The same way He took care of the Israelites. The same way He cared for comforted and was faithful to the Sims family as they walked through that. How easily we forget those things though. We need to we need to have ways to remember. Lisa th- wrote hers out. I talked last week about uh, uh, about my friend Ryan who wrote out his testimony. Those are ways that we can remember what God has done. We need ways to remember. The Israel, God told the Israelites to, to, to make this monument, these stones, so that they could remember, but also remind others. says so the generation that came after them, their children, could ask, Lisa, what is this? what is this paper? What is this thing? We have the opportunity to say, man, this is how God was faithful. I trust Him more because of this. Read this, take this. let me tell you about how He was faithful. And for god God or for the Israelites, God used stones, it says they picked up twelve stones out of the riverbed during flood stages, and I love that these stones were not accessible unless God had parted the the waters. These stones that they took out of the bottom of the river were not accessible to them had it not been for God doing something miraculous. And so they picked up these stones out of the, out of the middle. It says that it was dry ground. They were accessible because God did a miracle. And those same stones were the ones that they set up. You go, man, you guys, this stone right here, this stone was at the very bottom at flood stage. How cool is that? Just the fact that it's there. What are your stones? Do you have stones? What are the things that you have in place to remember and to remind others? You keep a journal. You have a a friend that you that you talk to and you and you tell these things to. Is it a physical item? Maybe it is a physical item, maybe it's something that you have on your dresser, on your desk, and you know, in a drawer someplace that and you open your underwear drawer and every time you you hopefully you put underwear on every day and, and you've got you've got this thing in there, something to remind you of his faithfulness. What is your stone? You have stories, will you allow your story to be encouraging to other people? Please we need encouragement don't we and i and i think that's why god brings a, a body together so that we can share with each other we can minister to each other through the stories through the things we we walked through some of us walked through that with the sims family some of us didn't some of us were hearing some of that for the first time but but it's encouraging to all of us What's your story, and will you allow your story? Your, your story is important. Will you allow your story to minister to other people? Find something that can be a reminder to you so you cannot stop trusting God. So it's impossible to stop trusting God. You have something that is always there. Remind yourself often. Eric, your sto- the story about the, the that sparrow hitting the window. Man, write that down. I want a copy of that because... Reading through that and and listening and hearing those types of things, it can be so easy for us to forget that God is still working, God is still active, God still cares for you, and He's the same God who was faithful to the Israelites in the past. I've read a little bit, and I'm going to close with this, I read a little bit of the first part of Psalm 78. If you haven't read Psalm 78, please go read it. It's a long long chapter, but it's exactly what we're talking about. It's a story about how God has been faithful in the past. Psalm seventy-eight nine through sixteen says the Ephraimites, uh, archers didn't. Uh, I'm sorry, turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant and they refused to live by His law. They forgot what He had done, the wondrous works He had shown them. He worked and and uh, David wrote most of the psalms. David wrote most of the psalms. This is. This is years and generations after this stuff had happened. After these things had happened. They had forgotten the wondrous works He had shown them. He worked wonders in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, the territory of Zoan. He split the sea and brought them across. Again, He's telling stories of what had happened in the past. These are still stories that were churning and and, and active in the Uh, in in david's day because people continued to tell the story i i love one of my one of the most terrifying verses for me in scripture is in joshua it says it says after moses and joshua's generation uh, uh passed away it says there came a generation after them that did not know god or the things that he had done that terrifies me because how did that how did they not know what happened so that they, there, there came a generation, one generation removed from all of these things that, that, that God had done? What happened? People stopped telling their story. People stopped telling the story of what God had done for them in the past. When we stop telling our story, we are doing a disservice, not only to the Lord, but to those who come after us generation came after Joshua, Moses and Joshua that did not know God because the generation before failed in telling their story. Failed in communicating the things that God had done for them. says, so He split the sea and brought them across. The water stood firm like a wall. He led them with a, cl- with a cloud by day and a fiery light throughout the night. He split rocks in the wilderness and gave them uh, drink as abundant as the depths. He brought streams out of the stone and made the water flow like rivers. Jumping down to verse 23-28. through He gave a command to the clouds and opened the doors of heaven. He rained manna for them to eat. He gave them grain from heaven. People ate the bread of angels. He sent them abundant supply of food. He made uh, the east wind blow in the skies and drove the south wind by His might. He rained meat on them like dust and the winged birds like the sand of the seas. He made them fall in the camp all around their tents. And He's telling a story to encourage people, to boost their faith, to, to, to boost their trust. Saying, this God that did all of these things was just like He was faithful to the Israelites back then. He's the same God that we serve today. And He will be faithful to us, just like He was faithful to the Israelites early on. What's your story about how He was faithful to you? Write it down. Find ways to remember. Because it's not just important for you it's important for those who come after you and for those you rub shoulders with, for those you interact with. You have no idea how your story can be encouraging to other people. And if we're not faithful in telling other people our story, the story about how God is faithful to us, they could be missing out in trusting and being encouraged that He can do the same thing for them. Father, we thank You for the the stories that You have written down in Scripture. Thank You for those who came before us. Thank You for the fact that Your Holy Spirit prompted them to write this stuff down. Thank You that we do. We have Your Word. We have Scripture to be able to look back on and, and read these stories just as they were faithful in trusting You we can also be faithful in trusting you as well because you are the faithful one. You are the one who does not make mistakes. You are the one who has a plan and a uh, a purpose and, and you see the big picture when we don't. Father, would you, would you help us to trust you just a little bit more today because of other people's stories of your goodness, because of other people's stories of your faithfulness, and Father, would you would you put something inside of us that that would allow us to recall how you've been faithful in our lives? Would you allow us to 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 find a creative way to to uh, to write these things down, to remember these things for ourselves, so that it would deepen our trust in you, and also to communicate those things to other people, so that other people can be encouraged. Thank you for. Lisa and her, uh, the the j- journey that you've taken the Sims family on and, and their faithfulness to proclaiming your goodness to other people. I do, I pray right now for, for all of those people who have I- interacted with, with Lisa and, and Kyle and Sam as they walked through that and I pray that the seeds that have been planted there because of the life of faith and trust that they've lived, Pray that those seeds would be watered and that there would be a harvest there. That many would come to you because of the Sims story. That many would come to you because of all of our stories. Give us the courage to to communicate those and, and voice those and tell other people. In Jesus' name, Amen.